Okay, all right. I want to talk about this week for a few minutes before I get into the message. This week was amazing, folks. Tuesday night, uh, the community prayer gathering at Shelby County High School, I want to say thank you for praying for that event and those who came, thank you. Uh, It was a different kind of prayer meeting that night in the sense of this, and talking to people, and I'm, I'm getting, you know, a number of comments. Uh, one is that we had more, and it was a school setting. I'm so glad, it, you know, the Lord really worked this out. More youth pastors, children's ministers, uh, you know, youth ministries represented there in that gathering than we, we've had. And this is the third year now that we've been having these, these prayer gatherings. So there was some inroads in networking, uniting in prayer with these younger leaders for the younger generation. Uh, And then it also brought a new kind of variety of churches that we really haven't, uh, you know, had before. And as Philip, who's been to like every single one of them that that we've done, he said, I felt an anointing on these prayers uh, in such a unique, powerful way. So, So we're just so grateful. God keeps blessing these cross, denominational cross, you know, background type gatherings. And it's a prayer army that he's putting together to say Shelby County is a county uh, that if when we pray together, we're going to stay together. And the devil who wants to destroy our young people, that is his plan uh, through suicide, drug overdose and addictions uh, and depression and suicide. Those things are being broken as we speak because the body of Christ are speaking to it and taking a stand in the spirit. And, um, and, and we love praying for ministries in the community as well. So I want to just say thank you so much. Uh, a, a definitely a, another level that God is bringing us. Um, I want to share uh, a couple of praises from yesterday, uh, our outreach. Um, we just sensed the pleasure of God on this. And uh, there were a number of other um, large events happening in the, in the county, in the, in the city we didn't know about. And, and I, I went in just kind of hoping we'd have a crowd. Well, we had a steady crowd for like four hours. Um, the last hour, not so much, but we were having so much fun together. It didn't really matter anyway. Um, who knew, the, knew that a, uh, a, a donut eating contest would be the highlight of the afternoon? I mean, uh, uh, in the, the children, two different children contests, Nate beat me and Brandon out on the, uh, the adult contest. And, um, and so... Uh, he had to, this donut fell off the string, went on the ground. He went down on the ground, no hands, and ate that donut off the ground. And he got the first prize. Man, I'm going to give him next time. So, um, but there was this sense of fellowship just with strangers. I would look around and just estimating numbers. I mean, we didn't, no one was counting specifics, but I would, uh, let's say there were 50 or 60 people up there around the uh, the pavilion at any time, and half of them, around 25 or 30, when I would count every hour or so, I didn't recognize. I didn't know who they were, never, you know, the, and, and so if you count that over four hours or so, it was over 100 people 
that didn't have connection with Living Waters or Father's Love. They did a great job. It was so much fun working with the Terrells and their team uh, to do the children's and so forth. And so I, I believe it was over 100 people that we had never met before that we got to bless and encourage. The testimonies were powerful. The, the preaching uh, for altar you know, for altar calls and for salvations were powerful. I want to tell you a couple stories real quick. I told you I was going to be quick, but let me. So I, there was a young man by himself. His family with his mom and a bunch of little kids were down there with the kids game. He was by himself, started talking to him, And he, he was very open to listening about Christianity, didn't believe. And then the mom came up. She sat down, wanted to be sure everything's okay, wanted to include her. This is great. And she left. She came back. I talked to both of them for about an hour about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was blown away. They stayed the whole time. They stayed. They both entered the the donut eating contest. (laughs) And, you know, so there was this, the way God used the hospitality, the food was delicious, Uh, hot dogs, hamburgers, barbecue, Peach cobbler, thank you, Joe. Um, you know, it was it was, there was a spirit there that really just brought an openness to what, what whatever was going on there. Um, there was a a father with uh, you know his wife, a couple kids, and aunt, and so forth. They, they were over there getting face painting, so the man was just standing by himself for a while. I'd already met him, and I just talked for a little bit and started talking about the gospel. Asked him, I just you know he. He wasn't saying a whole lot, but he was interested. He was, and I asked him, do you want to give your life to Jesus Christ? He said, yeah. So I said, well, let's go over here and sit down. You know, I, I, you know let's, let's make sure. You know, so we went over to the, the side by the road there, sat down on a bench. And so I went over the gospel again, kind of at a different angle. And I you know, spent some time doing that. And I said, well, do you want to pray and ask Jesus in your heart you know, to be a child of God? He said, yes. So I gave him a couple chances to say no. And so I led him in a prayer. And, uh, and he said, you know, I had a, some church background, but I fell away. And I, I basically ruined my life. I don't want my kids to do the same. And, of course, I was saying, you're the leader of this family. You're their spiritual leader of this family. So, so I just, you know, I have names and faces left over and others that... that we just need to pray for right now because the Lord of harvest was working yesterday. So let's do that right now. Lord, I'm not going to say the names uh, here publicly, but you know, as I'm thinking of their names, their faces, uh, you others that are, that were there, you have names and faces right now in your heart. Lord, we lift these up, Lord, these seeds planted. Hallelujah. Lord God, Lord of the harvest, bring these seeds to fruition. Bring them, Lord God, to a place of salvation, being filled with the Spirit, discipleship, living for you, Lord God. Set them free, Lord. Father, you hear this, this hunger in them. You see this hunger, Lord God. Father, meet this hunger, Lord Jesus. And Father, we pray, Lord God, that we're part of the discipleship process for them. Lord, we want to be in there uh, with the discipling ministry to be a great commission church. Help us with that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, thank you. Let me go into that. Uh, that was so important. This weekend is Yom Kippur. 
That is uh, what the Jewish High Holy Day, it's a, called the Day of Atonement. Uh, it's considered one of their most holiest days where they fast. They see God, it's, it's, it's pretty somber. We're there asking God to forgive them. Uh, and, and, uh, and it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's, it, unfortunately, they're not looking at the blood of Jesus right now to forgive them. Uh, but they do have this concept of forgiveness. And, um, and with these different Rosh Hashanah just last week, Yom Kippur coming up in another week or so is uh, Feast of Tabernacles. There is a spiritually charged time in the earth right now. And be aware of that. Uh, you, you ask the Lord to charge you spiritually because it's, it's a new Jewish calendar. It's a new time in the in the heavenlies, I believe it that that goes on with these Jewish feasts, and uh, <clears throat> I'm certainly uh, seeing it and feeling it even yesterday with this Lord of the Harvest uh, being so evident. Well, folks, I believe, uh, Lord willing, that this is the last part of the David series, part number seventeen. <laughs> And that was much longer than I thought, but hey, it was just hard to just move on. And we are, you know, skipping some stories and so forth. And um, uh, and, and we're going to, uh, my, my, my title for this particular one is, My God, My God, Why? And we're going to see a side of Jesus that we maybe haven't looked in that carefully and it is a side of Jesus that, that none of us have ever gone there. And so I'm sitting here asking God to help me, uh, of course, through his word to deliver this. Uh, and, of course, the Holy Spirit, let's just ask for it. The Holy Spirit, we ask for your revelation. You would give us enlightenment of you and, and who you are, what you've done for us. And uh, with that, Lord God, we, we don't want to take it lightly. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so, in the book of Acts is where this phrase appears a couple times, just twice in the Bible, but is spoken of David. Uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 22. Um that he's a man after God's own heart. It goes like this, and when he had removed him, that would have been the previous king, the first king of Israel, Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. And next verse says, And from this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus. So from the descendants of David, his kingdom, kingdom of David, his lineages, his descendants, there will be a promise that God would raise a Savior, a Messiah, Jesus the Christ. And... We've been seeing many reasons why David would have been labeled this man after God's own heart. One, he's, he had a humility that he kept going for most of his life and reign. And 
with that, he stayed humble. He came looking, uh, continually looking to God. In times of great trouble and near, often near death experiences, he trusted God to protect him. He didn't rely on, on his own strength. We got into uh, how he was a worshiper. Of course, he was the main author of the 150 Psalms. At least half of them probably contributed to more of that. But as a worshiper, if you remember the story, he brought the Ark of the Covenant back to, to Jerusalem. And the first time he did it, he just let him, you know, just go ahead and get this done. We're going to have a big, exciting celebration. Did not check the Word of God carefully. God judged them. Uzzah died touching the ark when it stumbled that day. He halted the whole process, got back into the word of God, and brought it back the right way. And we just saw this this heart of worship. And we see it over again in the Psalms. This is really that thing that started when he was young, being a shepherd boy, playing his guitars, his little harps and lyres out in the field. And it stayed with him his whole life. Well, let me tell you what happened. After he brought the ark back, and he was so victorious as a a general, a warrior, defeating his enemies, he said, you know what I'm going to do, God? I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to build you a temple. And Nathan the prophet, his main man, said, yeah, okay, go ahead and, and do that. It's a good idea. What's in your heart there? But then later that night, Nathan, God spoke to him and said, no, that's not for him to do. That's for his son to do. And so Nathan went back the next day and said, hold it, David, before you get started. This is what God told me. But your son will. And then in that prophecy from Nathan comes this. Let's look at Second uh, Samuel chapter 7. Comes a promise from God through the lineage and descendants of David. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16. It says, And your house and your kingdom, this is talking to David, shall be established forever before you, before you. Your throne shall be established forever. So this was that covenant that God made to David in his lineage, his seed, his descendants, that your kingdom, your rule, this will last forever. And so Israel realized there's something eternal about this thing. This is where our Savior, our Messiah is going to come from. And they were looking for the anointed one, the Messiah, to be this son of David. And so that's where this phrase, son of David, comes from in the New Testament. Let's just read one example. Matthew 22, verse 41 through 45. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? That would be the Messiah. Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How then does David in the Spirit call him Lord? Saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And David is quoting the first verse of Psalm 110. And Psalm 110, 
Psalm 2, there's a, several, a handful of Psalms where there's verses where David is seeing the Messiah. He is seeing the future Messiah and he's writing it as the Spirit gives him this utterance to write these things. And and he even challenges the Pharisees with this about, so who do you realize who the son of David is? It's the Messiah. And I would meet Jewish people in Philadelphia uh, as a uh, chaplain in a healthcare system. Uh, I would, my office, uh, uh, even though I went to a couple of different facilities, was at a retirement community, a rehab, a skilled care, nursing home. And so I, my office and my base was at this retirement community, and there was about half Jewish couples. It was in a Jewish neighborhood. And about half Catholic and maybe 10% Protestant. So I was that Protestant chaplain, that nice little boy with the southern accent. And I would have Jewish couples say, well, you know, in, in this Protestant Jewish conversation, well, you Christians, you believe uh, in, in polytheism, many gods, and we just believe in one God. And see, they had a struggle with monotheism that you can't have a trinity with having one God. They didn't want to go there, even though in Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, it says, let us make man in our image. So even though it's there, and it's even in the book of Psalms, like this verse right here, where Jesus is saying to them, well, then how does David in the Spirit call the Lord, saying, the Lord, the Lord God the Father, said to my Lord, this other Lord, that would be Jesus Christ the Messiah, sit in my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So he's saying there is a trinity, there is a father and a son, and he's teaching this to the Pharisees, and they're scratching their heads and I, I, I like this example, one, cause, because we're going to look at a particular psalm that's fully prophetic, not just a few verses. And there's something inter- interesting about the Hebrews, the way they understood the 150 chapters. This is their worship book, their hymn book. And as you know, uh, if you grew up like I did in, in, in a... Uh, traditional denominational church, you have a hymn book and you would have in the bulletin to turn what to what number and you'd go there and um, we have numbers for each psalm and chapter, but they didn't have numbers in their hymn book, their psalm book. They would use the first line to identify what psalm you're talking about. So Psalm 110, it would be the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. That's the and they, oh yeah, I know where that is. And they could go to it in the scroll to that one. Uh, we did Psalm 103 last week. And uh, uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Yeah, I know where that is. And they'd go find it and then read it. Psalm 23, Jeremy mentioned really the most famous psalm in the Bible. Because it's so comforting, it, it's so expressive and visual about the love and comfort of God. It's, it's the most read scripture at funerals. So people who don't go to church, they even hear this repeatedly through their life. And so it would be, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Oh, that psalm for us, it's 23. But for they, they would know where to go. So, with that said... 
We're going to go to a psalm that I believe impacted Jesus Christ himself, his 33 years on the earth, more than any other psalm. And I want to tell you why. Let's go to Matthew 27, verse 46. This is Jesus hanging on the cross, suffering for us, and it says this. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, Laba, Sabatini. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Folks, that's the first line of Psalm 22. He's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? From his heart to his father. He's never experienced anything like this. And he's also saying, all you who hear me, who's standing around, all you good Jews, all you who will read of this for generations to come, read Psalm 22. Because Psalm 22 is what's going on right now. I'll read to you this verse 1. The whole verse, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? See, I believe in the story, it's in the Gospel of Luke. When Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, that last night, just a few hours before he's betrayed by the, the guards that come to him to arrest him. He's praying by himself. And he prays this prayer. He said, Father, if you could allow this cup to, be, to pass over me, yet not my will, but let me read it. I'm, I'm butchering that. Let's go. Father, if it is your will, take, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. See, I believe he was trying to grasp what is it like to be the sacrifice of all of our sins. And he's trying to grasp that. And it says in this account, Luke, he said, he actually goes into sweating the intensity goes into drops of blood coming out of the capillaries, this microcapillaries of his, his uh, sweat pores out of the brow of his head. And that's an actual medical condition. It can happen with people under stress. Your face gets red when you cry a lot. When you get really intense, it gets red. Well, let's just take that another, uh, you know, 10 levels or how many levels. It gets so red and tense that little capillaries start Start breaking and, and loosing out blood out of your pores. It was the, the, being on the cross was the closest thing as hell on earth. How do you describe taking on someone else's sin that you didn't deserve? You lived a perfect and sinless life. And for the first time, you take on sin. Let's read the verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21. 
For he made him, that's Father God made him, his son Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So, this, him taking on, to be sin for us, what does that even look like? To be sin for us, he didn't just throw it on him and he put it on his arms. He, he became sin for us. That's the wording here. I mean, this is a mystery. We're, we're trying to fathom this. And it's a mystery. It's a, a supernatural miracle that God set up. So there could be one sacrifice for all. So then the result of it, boom, would be our righteousness through Christ Jesus. Romans 8, verses 1 through 3. I want to let us kind of see this some more. For there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Hallelujah. That's that, uh, that the righteousness that we get to receive is no more condemnation. Because this judgment for our sin has been paid for. So we don't have to walk guilty. We don't have to walk with condemnation. We can walk free from it. And God's peace and joy can live through us. Verse 2 of Romans 8. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So there is a, a, this righteousness given to us is life of the Holy Spirit of God. We're given life and that cuts off the law of Sin and death. There is a law of life from the Spirit of God, and that's a higher law, and it cuts off the law that was there of death and of sin. Whew. So, Him becoming sin for us gave us a greater, more powerful law than the law that would just, we would die and go straight to hell because we deserve that's the punishment. Next verse. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So, what was it like? The Jews have been trying to keep the law in their own flesh, and they never could consistently it's a weakness it was the illustration to realize we can't we got to have this once for all sacrifice he sends his son the likeness of sinful flesh he he lived a perfect life but this sin came on him on account of us and he, he he was condemned he condemned sin in the flesh of jesus and on that was on him Folks, what was it like for Jesus to have 33 years of a love relationship with his father, to only know instant access, to only know his, his love and grace every day, and then receive the full wrath of God for the sin of the world? What was it like? It was like this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
That's what it was like. Praise God, he, his death, he was able to get, it says, the keys to death and hell. That authority over death and hell is, he has the keys. He has authority. And there's no other place that we want to be except in heaven and not hell. Hell is separation from God. It is God's wrath and judgment. You and I, we don't want to be there. We don't want our loved ones to be there. Our friends and family. Jesus Christ doesn't want anybody there. And he was willing to go there and be that one and only sacrifice. I want us to work through Psalm 22, not every verse, uh, particularly the last half, but the first half of it anyway. Because it's a prophetic psalm, the whole thing. And we're going to see that David didn't just kind of hit and miss like he kind of got it kind of right. No, this was amazing. A thousand years before this crucifixion happened, this is as good a description of what's happened as in the Gospels. Psalm 22, I'm going to start at verse 1 again and read verse 1 and 2. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and am not silent. He is being honest on what he is going through right now. But look at verse 3, 4, and 5, how quickly it turns. In the midst of this suffering, this is how verse 3 goes. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. We've been in other Psalms before. David would be like this. He would describe this great despair and all these enemies that are about to take his life. But then he would turn it in the middle of a psalm. And he would turn his, his words, his voice. These are songs that they sing. And he would, yeah, this is honest. This is where we're at right now, God. But, and this is Jesus remembering what God did among the people, Right? That's part of worship. We saw that in Psalm 103 is remembering. And Jesus said, when you take communion, remember. When you take this bread and juice, remember. Remembering is a part of worship. And as you remember, look what God did to, for our people in the past. This is encouraging him. And I, I believe he's on the cross telling us honestly. But he's also saying, read the whole psalm. Let's um, look at some more. We're going to get in some details about the mocking and ridicule that Jesus received, this verbal abuse hanging on the cross. 
verse 6, But I am a worm, and no man, a reproach of men, and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out their lip. They shake their head, saying, He trusted in the Lord, let him rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. This concept of shooting out the lip in ancient times, that was this, someone is, they're wagging their head, they're shaking their head, and they're just, they're just so raging with their words. Their lips are just so violent. Well, guess what? That's, that's what happened, didn't it? Let's look at a few verses in, in, in the New Testament real quick. Matthew 27, verse 30, 31. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off and put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. Later on in Matthew 27, verse 39. And those who passed by him uh, blasphemed him, wagging their heads. Luke 23, 35, and the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. I believe Jesus, when he was a good Jewish boy, he had a number of psalms memorized, but this was his number one psalm. And when he was praying, Father, If it be your will, could this cup of suffering pass? But not my will, but yours. Because he read this. Let's go on to the next couple verses. Verse 9 uh, through 11. But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's room, you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. He's now remembering his past, his unique birth, that from birth he was with God. And he's letting this, you know, God, you've been with me since birth. Oh God, I need your help now. So he's referring to his history and his past to encourage him. Folks, we go through things. And we say the same words, my God, my God, why? Why is this happening? Why is this going on in my family right now? My God, my God, why? Well, Jesus, even while he was hanging on the cross, was looking back at the history of God's work in the Jewish people and his people. He was looking back at his his birth and how amazing that was. So I'm not going to stop. I'm going to say, God, God, you can help me again. Let's go to uh, Psalm 22, verse 12. Let's read about four or five verses. <clears throat> I, I think I'll stop in here as I, as I go through some of these. Um, no, it's okay. I'll, I'll just read through them. Verse 12. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. Well, let me, let me say this. 
you know, there's there was an area of Bashan that had a lot of green grass and the cows grew big and fat. So these are some strong bulls. This is this is a picture of the battle of of the strength of the attack of him being surrounded and circled. Not only by the Roman soldiers, not only about all this crowds of people, uh, you know, who've been, uh, you know, harassing him, screaming at him, you know, crucify him, crucify him. People that he loved, taught, even healed, they're crying, crucify him. There's, there's a spiritual attack going on. The devil is putting all his chips in this one strategy. If we can kill Jesus, then all of this is over and he's done with. I tried to get him to side with us early on there uh, in that 40 days in the desert. That didn't work. But if we can kill him... All this healing and preaching and teaching stuff and all this mess. It's going to be all of this. So he's got demons and powerful principalities wrapped all around Jerusalem. Working through these religious leaders and the Romans uh, leaders. And, and all of this is happening. It's not, you know, right? A battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And so there is this surrounding of these strong bulls of, of demonic demons all around that he's going through. Verse 13, they gape at me with the mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Folks, this is written a thousand years before the actual crucifixion. And yet in John 19, 34, uh, it says, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with the spear and immediately blood and water came out. So yeah, he was poured out like water. And that spear going in his side, that water came out as an indication that his body was, he was dead, his body was dead. He died before he was speared. Next verse in not John nineteen twenty eight it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Because this scripture talks about him, the tongue clinging to his jaws, how dry his mouth was. So to make all the prophecies come true, he, he expressed his thirst. How accurate is all of this? Psalm 22, let's go back there. I mean this, well here's an interesting thing about crucifixion. Crucifixion wasn't in the Middle East. It wasn't on the earth. It wasn't a known type of torture a thousand years before. It came in, I believe it was Persia, and then eventually the Romans got it. They developed it to be the, the best torturing death that they could come up with. And all the steps that they produced in it. And yet, David wrote, they pierced my hands and my feet. That doesn't describe David's experience from all the chapters we read about David. We never have that being his experience. What a witness of this mighty work of Jesus. Psalm 22, verse 7 and 18. I can count all my bones... They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. See, it says in Matthew 27, 35, that very thing. 
that they were actually took that nice robe of his and they gambled for it. And here David is talking about it. It says in John 19, 33, but when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. So he could count all of his bones. I don't know what you're going through right now. But it's okay to say, my God, my God, why? To be honest with where you're at. But even Jesus on the cross would encourage himself, remembering back to what God had done in his people and in his life. Starting in around verse 22, for another nine verses or so, folks, they're all positive. There is a turn here in this psalm that the first part is so riveting and amazing how accurate it is for this crucifixion a thousand years later. We don't realize that Jesus is saying, Psalm 22, read the whole thing. It's all prophetic. Go ahead and put this next verse up. 24, verse 24. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. So he's speaking about, my father's going to hear me and the resurrection is going to happen, folks. That's what he's saying while he's on the cross suffering. God does hear the cry of the afflicted, and he heard, he's hearing me right now. The resurrection is going to happen. Let's go to the next one I picked. There's some that I skipped there. All the, prop, all the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. Listen, all those who go down to the dust shall bow before him. This is almost, in the New Testament, it's that image in Philippians 2 that every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's being prophesied and he's saying, while I'm on the cross, I want you to know, all those who go down to the dust, they will bow before me. You have a choice. And my choice is I willingly, gladly, it's wonderful. I'd love to bow before you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this opportunity to bow before you, honor you, live for you all the days of my life. Versus someone else in eternity that hasn't ever bowed their heart or need to God. And they will see, oh, he really is Lord. There really is none like him. And they will bow their knee. Whether they're forced to or where they just collapse before the power of the greatness of God, I don't know, but every knee will bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord of all. 
Folks, I don't know what you're going through right now. And it could feel, my God, my God, why? But Jesus Christ is Lord over your life. If you've brought, made him Lord, he's Lord. He's Lord over that situation you're in right there. Take authority in the name of Jesus. This name that is above all names. Speak it out over this situation. Look up to God. Be encouraged in the midst of the suffering. Be encouraged and speak out. Just a couple more scriptures here. Go ahead. To the next one. This is the last verse of the psalm. It says, They will come and declare His righteousness to a people who will be born that He has done this. So His righteousness... It's not going to be buried in a tomb and just decay with some body, body out there, bones out there in the rocks, some tomb. No, his body is going to be raised from the dead and give righteousness to all of us by his blood. Now, catch this. I got this through reading and studying scholars and commentaries, that he has done this. Folks, that's another way to say, it is finished. In the Gospel of John, there's there's several different words that Jesus gave on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me is one of them. But in the Gospel of John, let's go there in John chapter 19. It says, so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. And so what he's saying, yes, Psalm 22 is true. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the last line says, it is finished. I have finished the work. And God is going to... We're going to be, I'm going to be raised up. And my righteousness for all people who receive him, receive me. So it it is finished when you look at the end of Psalm 22. It's a declaration of victory. It's a declaration of God's faithfulness to release the righteousness of God to the earth. He did all that for you. He did all that for these couple of families, several families I talked with yesterday. Jesus, thank you for doing it for me. That you would go through that. To be the worthy sacrifice once for all. I'm going to say a prayer. It's a prayer of salvation. That if someone online is hearing this message this morning next week, next year, however long these things stay around. 
relationship with Him. And you don't know if you have this righteousness that's been given through this this blood sacrifice, this death of Jesus, and the victory of His life, then, then this prayer, you mean it from your heart, can get you right with God, can get you in this, to receive this righteousness. I'm going to ask people to pray aloud with me because that way then if someone else is praying, they don't feel like they're all by themselves, right? Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I need your righteousness. I need your righteousness. I want your forgiveness. I want your forgiveness. Forgive me by your blood. Forgive me by your blood. Wash all my sins away. I gladly turn away from my sins and turn to you. Beautiful Jesus, you sacrificed for me. And I say yes. Come into my heart and life. I believe that you died on the cross and rose from the grave. forever oh son of David have mercy on me you are good and your mercies endure forever as we go into this uh, last song there's altar ministry people here whatever you're in the middle of if you're crying out my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why this situation? And you didn't, don't leave feeling like that. Leave with someone praying with you. If you did pray that prayer of salvation, tell someone right now. Tell someone today. Don't hold back because you've got next steps of living this out for eternity. So let's just keep allowing the Lord to minister to us right now. I'm, I'm going to say a prayer blessing into your week in a couple of minutes. But let's go ahead and just seek the Lord and worship Him right now. Thank you.
As I say this blessing, I'm going to go to my, down on my knees. Jesus Christ, I and I know many of us in this room right now, we gladly bow our knees to you. That this week, this month, this year, we we offer to you as a sacrifice. We submit it to you, Lord God. We submit ourselves to you. We recognize the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we gladly bow our knee. Lord Jesus, have your way in our heart and life. As we've been praying for the harvest today, Lord, we pray for the prodigals that walking with you right now. We pray for blinders to come off their eyes. We pray, Lord God, that you would open doors of witnessing, of deliverance and healing for them. Remove those deceptions and blockages between them and you, Lord God. And Lord, we believe in you and your harvest work that they will be saved. They're they're our descendants. They're our family. That, Lord, your mercy of salvation, miracle of salvation, will come to pass in our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. So, Lord, we go into this week, no matter what the situation, believing that it is finished. Your work is good. It's complete. And your righteousness that comes from your death and resurrection is for us. Setting us free from the law of sin and death. Releasing us from condemnation and guilt. So we go into this week blessed with all the spiritual blessings and all the blessings that come from you. Amen. I want to encourage you to just keep worshiping if this is stirring in your heart. There's people here available for prayer. If you need to leave, we have courts and gathering places. A great place to fellowship. Have a great week. Be blessed.